Well, hello, everybody. So good to be with you today. Just like to welcome you. My name is Heidi Bybee. I'm the Next Generation Pastor. I have the privilege of working with kids from infancy all the way through high school with my amazing team and amazing volunteers. And I've always loved being around the next generation. I would say for my husband and I, our greatest joy has been our three children. And what mother would not take advantage of this opportunity to show off pictures of their kids, right? So Joshua, Caitlin, and Grace, Kevin's in my pride and joy, and our new bonus child, not a child anymore, but our sweet daughter-in-law, Julia, joined us this past May, and we're just so privileged and so honored to have her in our, in our family. As we've been going through the Generation Series, I keep asking myself, what is the best way for us to love the other generation? What is the best way for us to love well? And I find that I just landed right at 1 Corinthians. And allow me to read this to you. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. We hear this a lot at our weddings. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. And I just love this, how it talks about what love is, but what love does, and what it doesn't do, dancing back and forth between love being a verb and a noun. It's just a beautiful picture to me. And of course, the closer we are to Jesus, the more time we spend in his word, the more this type of love just naturally flows from us. But for today, I'd love to just focus in on verse 5, just the beginning part of it, where it reads, love does not dishonor others. We, we find actually that love honors. And if we look at the definition of honor, a lot of times we find that honor means obey, but it actually has a lot wider application than that. In fact, if we look, honor expresses itself in courtesy, thoughtfulness, mercy, and kindly deeds. Honor is to prize highly, care for, show respect for, and obey. And we've heard honor used when it comes to how a child should relate to their parents. Whether you're a Christian or not, you've probably heard the phrase, children honor your father and mother. Well, we actually find this in the Bible, Exodus 20, 12, the people are instructed to honor their father and mother. It's the fifth of the Ten Commandments. And we find it again when we look into scriptures. We find it in Ephesians. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. Why is it so important that it's mentioned more than once, it's mentioned in the Bible for children to honor their father and mother? Why is it so important that it's even one of our Ten Commandments? I think we could find a lot of reasons on why teaching a child to honor is so important, but just to name a few, honor teaches a child to love. We've already read in 1 Corinthians that honor and love go hand in hand, and honor teaches a child to obey. If a child will learn to honor and obey their parents from an early age, that's going to transfer to many relationships, right? To their teachers, their future boss, parking attendants at Fountain Springs. <laughs> I've seen some of you go rogue out there. <laughs> You're wild. 
It also can learn to them, them learning to obey God. That's crucial. And if children are taught to honor, it can lead them to more peaceful relationships. You can imagine if you're honoring the relationships within your life, you're going to have more peaceful relationships. So it benefits children in so many ways, but those are just to name a few. But maybe in your household, you don't see a lot of honoring going on. You definitely don't see your child honoring you as a parent. You may see that they, they honor you out of their action, out of obligation, but they're not honoring you in their hearts. Is it because we're not honoring our children? Because if we move on to 1 Peter 2.17, we read that we are to honor everyone. And a child can only learn to honor if they've seen what that looks like. They've been on the receiving end of it. They know what it looks like. Now, before the service started, I approached one poor soul in the audience. Dave, will you please come help me? Give it up for Dave. Yeah, Dave. <laughs> so Dave is going to help us with a little experiment here. And... Dave, I'm, I'm sure you have a, a great background in artistry. It's primarily abstract. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Very little. Well, Dave, I am thinking of an image in my mind right now. And I just need you to draw that out nice and big. So we're going to hold it up so that everybody can see it. So go ahead. You just give it a whirl. I'm thinking of it. You go ahead and draw it. You're thinking of it? I'm thinking of it. I've got it right here. Do you want me to stand closer? Does it help? Okay. It's a good start. Mm -hmm. Little detail, very nice. All right, this is well done. Go ahead and hold that up. Right? Nice. The Black Hills, the Black Hills, perfect. One of my favorite places to be, right? We love the outdoors. Dave, this was well done, but this is not at all what I was thinking. I don't know how you missed it. Um, in fact, what I was thinking was a Ferris wheel. The image is right behind you here, so this is what we're going for. I mean, you had a sun. Yes, yes, but, but not close at all, so. <laughs> so we're just gonna get rid of that one. And then this time, I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to show you the image first. Let's just try that. So take a look at your screen. Isn't that sweet? Did, did David pick that up? Uh, I think so. I think David picked that out. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead and draw it nice and big. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like we should have a Jeopardy song going or something right here. You had me nervous for a little bit, but I see you're, you're pulling it together. <laughs> I still hear the Jeopardy song going over in this section. <laughs> nice job. It's my students. It's my people. Close. Ears, maybe? Oh. <laughs> Just kind of looked like a rat there for a second, but no, you, you hold it up. Be proud of that. Yay! Yeah. David is sitting right there. Can you wave, Pastor David? Yeah. 
I, I know, I've been in his office recently, and it looks like it could really use some artwork. So do you want to sign that? Do you want to write to Pastor David? Yeah. I would just put love, Dave. How about a heart? A heart. That's good. Oh, that is nice. Again, give it up for Dave. That is beautiful. <laughs> I'll give this to you so you can give it to him because I know he's excited. No? <laughs> frame. Frame would be good. Yep. Yep. Frame probably with motorcycles around it or something. <laughs> A child cannot be expected to draw up what love looks like, the image of that, unless they have seen it first. They don't know what honor looks like if they have not received that from you. You may feel this isn't appropriate, actually, because a child is not on equal terms when it comes to position or authority. But, oh, church, didn't Jesus honor us? Didn't he give his very life for us? Despite his position or his authority, he loved us completely and sacrificially. So how do we honor our children? First, you honor by listening completely to your child before drawing a conclusion or making a decision. When my son Joshua was two years old, I told him, hey, buddy, put away your toys, get on your shoes, we're going bye-bye. To my surprise, he crossed his arms and stomped his foot and said, no, it's not fair. Mm-mm-mm. <laughs> Every fiber in my being wanted to act real swiftly to that child at that time. But I think by the grace of God, I stopped and I listened to him completely. I said, Joshua Kevin Bybee, where did you learn that? He answered, from watching Caillou. <laughs> you know it. Caillou is a cartoon that I allowed into Joshua's life. And I had seen this little Caillou throwing temper tantrums on this show and being dishonoring towards his parents, and I kept allowing Joshua to watch it. I allowed it. Well, on that day, I explained to Joshua that he was never to speak to mommy that way again, and we would no longer be watching Caillou. <laughs> and we did not. But see, it was so important that I hear him out first, because there was an explanation, and I was actually behind it. <laughs> now, sometimes our children are going to come to us with an ask. They're going to ask, can I do something? Can I, can I go hang out with this person? Listen to them. Hear them out. You might even try an open mind with it. Just because we listen to our children, it doesn't mean we're agreeing. It's important we listen to them. In fact, when our kids got older, this became a really great time of communication for us. We would hear them out, and then we would say, what do you think? We'd flip it back on them. What do you think? Do you think it's a good idea? What are the pros and cons to this? By the time they left our household, they were pretty good at making healthy decisions for themselves. Second, you can honor by trusting your child to the extent he or she has proven themselves trustworthy. I think we can all agree that trust is earned. If your high schooler has earned your trust to stay out till midnight, let them. 
If they've earned that trust, let them. Now, of course, we've got to use common sense. If your 11-year-old is very trustworthy and comes to you and asks for the car keys because they're going for a spin, you're not going to give it to them. (laughs) Don't do it. Use common sense, of course. But this is so important. If they've earned the trust, give them some room. I want to show you a picture of my Uncle Vernon. Nice, right? Nice threads, awesome old gold chair. (laughs) It's probably in the 70s. My Uncle Vernon was a very loving man, but he was also very tight-fisted, meaning he'd love to save a buck or two. A little tight-fisted, maybe even a little controlling. I remember times when he would load all of us cousins in the back of his very, very old Buick and drive us through the hills on a hot, sweltering day with no air conditioning going. He wouldn't run it. It had it. He would not run it, and he'd drive 15 miles per hour because that was the way to get the best gas mileage possible. Very tight-fisted. But when my father came to his older brother and asked him for parenting advice, do you know what my Uncle Vernon said? He responded with, say yes to your children as much as you can. If they've earned that trust, say yes to them. How out of character that was for him. But he had six kids. And he knew it was very important to give children that wiggle room, to honor them. When they've earned that trust, honor them by letting them have some room to learn to grow. Of course, they're going to break the rules sometimes. They will, guaranteed. And when that happens, it is so, so important that we follow through with consequences and the decided punishment. There's going to be times when our children break the rules and we're tired and we don't want to follow through with it. We'll deal with it another time. You are building yourself up for a war in the future if you do that. Our parenting has to be consistent. And when there's a decided punishment, you say, hey, no screen time for two weeks. Don't give them screen screen time on day 10, even if it's easier for you. We don't want to give up on that. We want to have consistency in our parenting. You want to be a parent of your word. You're actually building trust in your child. Also, when, when your child misuses his freedom, when they break the rules, it's a great time to remind them they're in control. That sounds weird. <laughs> we told our kids to imagine they were on a curvy mountain road with guardrails. When they stayed within our boundaries, they were going to find those guardrails were nice and wide, and they had all sorts of freedoms within that. But when they broke our trust, when they misused the freedom, those guardrails were going to come in nice and snug, and they weren't going to feel they had much wiggle room anymore. They didn't feel they had as much freedom. They would have to slowly earn that back. But we told them, hey, you're in control. We're simply responding to your actions, and to your behaviors. I also want to mention that when our children break our trust, we have to practice grace. We will not be the parents that keep reminding them, remember when you broke my trust last week? Remember two months ago when you said you're going to this house, but you went to that house instead? Uh Uh-uh. They face the consequences, they serve out the punishment, but we don't keep bringing those those mistakes back up. You are always your child's biggest cheerleader. 
You are always the one to remind them that you are able to live up to all that God has planned for you to be. You are a good kid. We are always for them. We've read that love does not keep a record of wrongs, right? It's a good thing because sometimes we will be wrong. Believe it or not, sometimes we are wrong as the parents. I've been wrong so many times. And I'm so glad that my children have extended grace towards me. It's important we honor our children by admitting when we're wrong. This kind of honesty is the backbone of a mutual relationship, of a, of a respecting relationship. When my grandfather passed away, we were invited to stand up and share a memory that we had of him. My sister shared this memory out of all the memories she had with him. She shared the time when my grandfather came to her and said, I'm so sorry. He had handled a situation poorly. He came to her, he apologized, and he asked for her forgiveness. Do you know what that means to a child? That's her favorite memory of him. We grew up in Rapid City. He was, he was in Rapid City with us. We had lots of memories, but that was her favorite. Because as a child, she felt honored. She felt seen, respected. She felt loved. When we apologize to our children, it teaches them how to extend grace to others and themselves. We all must be, we almost have room to learn. We all need that room. I want to ask you something. Do you remember a time when you felt labeled? Maybe you heard a description of you. Maybe you were called a name by the adults in your life. And it was just kind of a label that kind of stuck with you. It wasn't, it wasn't one you really enjoyed or were proud of. It's so important that we honor our children by not labeling them. It's one thing to point out a wrong action, but to attack their character is something else. For instance, if their homework isn't done, which I'm sure never happens in any of your households, if the homework isn't done, we could say, you're lazy, you're so irresponsible. Those are labels. Or we can talk about the action. Hey, you didn't get your homework done. We need to set up some boundaries, and I need to give you some tools to help you manage your time better so that we don't keep having this situation. There's a difference there. Remember, our children are still learning. They've never been a human before. <laughs> They're just learning now. They can't have it all figured out. They're not going to get it all right the first time. I sure haven't. We can say words to our children like, you're exhausting, you're annoying, you're naughty, you're sassy, or you're shy, you're quiet, you're introverted, you're a mama's boy. Those labels can cause our children to act out in a certain way. It can even hinder them from trying new things. When Joshua was little, we'd throw him up in the air and catch him, and he'd giggle with delight. He loved it. Our daughter Grace was the same way. She loved it. The higher, the better. Our daughter, Caitlin, did not love it. <laughs> We'd throw her up and she would shudder with fear, terrified. So we didn't do that with her. It was too much for her. We wanted her to feel safe with us. 
As she got older, we'd take her to a playground, we'd let her climb on the playground equipment, and she would climb very carefully, calculated, slowly, with this crazy look in her eyes, like, I'm having the time of my life, I promise. <laughs> she looked so scared, but never once would we say to her, baby, you're afraid of heights. You better just keep your feet on the ground. It's too much for you. We would never say that to her. We would not tell other people, hey, Caitlin's afraid of heights, because we were afraid to get back to her. We didn't want to speak that label over her. This is what Caitlin does now. <laughs> I know, for crying out loud, woman, tell her she's afraid of heights. <laughs> she loves to climb. She loves to rock climb. It feeds her spirit, recharges her soul. I have a little problem with the picture with the baseball cap on because I know she's watching from California and sweetheart, you're not wearing a helmet. <laughs> and I know you're pushing 20, just a suggestion. <laughs> we've heard with our children, or we've heard, I'm sorry, you are what you eat. You are what you eat. With our children though, I feel as if it's, they are what you speak. They will own labels and they will hold them on themselves real tight and they could wear them for years, especially when they hear those words on repeat. We have to be careful of what labels we're putting on our kids. This next one is so tough for me because it was such a struggle and I'm sure it is for many of you too. We have to honor our children with our time. A child will not respect your leadership in their life if they hardly know you. And a child will not trust your leadership in their life if you hardly know them. Why on earth would they respect us if they don't know what we stand for, if they don't know what we're about? Why would they respect that leadership? And why would they trust it? If we don't know them, we know nothing about what's going on in their world, what their hang-ups are, what their talents and their passions and their dreams are. Why would they trust us speaking into their lives? There's a quote from a really old book, and I searched for it and I couldn't find it. There's ones like it online, but it's just not as good. The quote I remember is, the important is often sacrificed on the altar of urgency. The important is often sacrificed on the altar of urgency. We've got a lot of urgency, don't we? And sometimes I have to ask myself, do I need to go through the urgency? Does it all need to be there? Do I consider something's urgent when they're really not? Because wow, are they taking my attention off the important. Once your child is born, your life goes into hyperspeed, am I right? Yeah. Everything speeds up. Don't miss this. Don't miss the important. If we look into the research, parents are now spending more time at home with their children than they did 50 years ago. But if we dig a little deeper into that research, Parents are less engaged with their, parent, their children now than ever before. 
Our average American household watches 49 hours of TV a week. The average American home has 39 minutes of meaningful conversation with their children. This is not to make us feel bad, but this is to remind us that we need to fight for our children. We need to fight for time with them because there's a whole lot of things out there that are fighting for the time and attention of your child. We can't just have conversations with them when someone comes home from school crying or someone's broken the rules. We can't just have conversations in times of crisis. We need to make it a priority. You may say, it's not my schedule. It's my kids. Ah, but we have some say over that. At the beginning of our Generation series, Pastor Todd said that he and his wife, Tina, limit their children to one sport at a time. We had the same rhythms in our household. We did one extracurricular thing at a time. You can get caught up in the fear of, my kid will fall behind the other kids. Don't parent out of a spirit of fear. You were given a spirit of power, love, and self-control. One, one thing at a time. If they overlap by a week or two, let it slide. But kids need time. They need quality and quantity time with loving, involved, and committed parents. Kids need time to be a kid. They need time to be alone. They need time to think, to pray, to play. They need time to dream, time to be with friends, time to be with you. That's where they learn the beliefs, the values. That's where they're going to learn about God. We really found that spending time together as a family was a great time to teach our kids conversation. And, and I think some of us have seen that that's a little bit of a lost art. I've, I've employed many teenagers over the years at our different businesses, and they will text me so great, but one-on-one, -on -one, <laughs> sometimes there's nothing there. We need to work on conversation. So we really found that working on conversation with our kids was important. We had a rule with them. We said, when you're having a conversation with someone, you need to ask three questions of them. That's how conversation works. You ask questions back and forth. This backfired on us one night. <laughs> this sweet couple with no children had invited all five of us over for dinner. Yay, don't have to cook. And I'm terrible at it, so that's great. <laughs> we go over to this, this couple's house for dinner, and on the way over, we prep the kids. Okay, this couple just got back from a vacation. This is what they do for a living, and these are the hobbies and the passions that they have. So there's some ideas for you for questions. Remember, three-question rule. Well, the dinner gets started, and slowly the questions start creeping out from the kids. And I don't know why this is, but many times in our household, everything becomes a competition, and we love it. So the questions start just going faster and faster, and they're just firing them at this poor, unsuspecting couple. <laughs> and their eyes are just like, we've seen deer in headlights around here. They're just terrified. And the questions are going boom, boom, boom. We go way past three per child. And Kevin and I could have stopped and said, that's enough questions, but it was so funny. <laughs> we just let it keep on rolling. <laughs> well, when the night was over, we were driving out of the driveway, and we said, kids, way to go on the questions. You nailed it. 
they're kind of like, yeah, well, I got more questions and so and so, you know, the competition's still in their minds, but we were never invited over for dinner again. <laughs> in fact, we never hung out again. I think they thought, they got weird little kids. <laughs> but we were so proud of the kids. It was great. They learned conversation that way, and they are still so great at conversation. The final way that I just want to mention that we should honor our children is to honor them through encouragement. Encouragement. My dad used to say to me, Heidi Bird, I don't know why he called me Heidi Bird. He just did. <laughs> Heidi Bird, you can't save the whole world. You can't fix everyone's problems. You can't take away everyone's hurts. You can't save the whole world. But you know what? The guy was so encouraging. He made me feel like I could. He was such an encouraging father. He shaped my life. I'm a pretty optimistic person to this day because of him. And I love to encourage others. He shaped that in me in a miraculous way because he was always pouring encouragement into my life. If we read Hebrews, Hebrews 3.13, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So powerful. When we encourage our children every day, we are infusing them, infusing them with strength to stand up against sin. And that was true for me. I was so encouraged as a kid that when... When people came to me and said, hey, let's go do this or that, and I knew I wasn't supposed to, let's try this or that, I didn't feel the need. Because my parents had always told me, you've got it together, walk with God. He's got big plans for you, plans to give you a hope and a future, to prosper your life. I didn't need those things. Encouragement is huge. It can literally help your child walk away from sin. So as we do these things consistently, we'll be showing honor to our children. And it's never too late to start this. You may feel like, ah, oh, we are so far from that. It is never too late to start honoring your children. They may be grown. You can still honor them by how you reach out, how you approach them, how you treat them. You may feel you need to apologize to your kids. Ah, I'm sorry, I have not been the parent I've wanted to be. I haven't been honoring to you, and I want to I restart. But for some of us, it's really hard to honor our children because it brings up the pain of how we were not honored when we were little. And you're right. You should have been honored, and you should have been loved well. And if that's you, you need to grieve it. You need to grieve it so you can get rid of it because you can't stay here. I would say grieve it, forgive it, and use it. Use it to be the parent that you are destined to be, the parent that God has planned for you to be. You have these sweet little souls put into your life, no matter what their age are. They've been put into your life. And God is equipping you every day through the power of his Holy Spirit speaking to you. 
You can be an honoring parent even if you never experienced it yourself. You change the tides in your family. You change the generations. You can be speaking into someone else's life, into their children's life, and you can change their generations. We've seen what just encouragement can do. We've read it and we believe it. If we go back to where we started, 1 Corinthians, we pulled out one tiny section of honoring. But I know we parents joke that these children did not come with an instruction manual. Boy, do we feel like we need it many days. This is great parenting advice right here. Great parenting advice. It's great advice in how we approach each other. Influence the generations. Honor. Honor the next generation. Remember, we're here to help. Reach out. Reach out if you need it. Will you pray with me? Lord, you are the best parent we could ever hope for. And you've honored us by so many ways. Your King of Kings, Lord of Lords, that you're always honoring. Lord, show us how to do that. Help us. Teach us. Encourage us. We want to honor and love like you honor and love. We give you all the glory for for what you're doing in our families, all the blessings that you have bestowed upon us, Lord. We put our families in your hands, Lord. Show us how to move forward. In your precious name we pray, amen.